Welcome to the National Hour on the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. We are live on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. This hour always brought to you by that 365. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. We'll spread this out nationally by bringing in Frank Saravelli, Hockey Insider, President of Hockey Content, Daily Faceoff. The man is going to start to get real busy in the next little while. Frank, how are you, man? I'm good, Kipper. I think it's already been a pretty busy week with this Corey Perry contract termination as well as uh, Ah. a little trade by the Blackhawks on Tuesday night and all sorts of stuff going on. It's been a crazy week. Okay, before we get into, uh, you know, the pickup of a $4 million contract to uh, replace a $4 million contract, just any fallouts after this, Frank? Is there a sense that this story is done or are we going to start hearing other things trickle in? No, I think this story is pretty far from over. We still don't yet have a really clear picture as to exactly what Corey Perry did. More than that, I think it remains to be seen whether or not the NHL Players Association will grieve this this decision by the Chicago Blackhawks to terminate the contract. I just wrote a story on dailyfaceoff.com that outlines really how unprecedented it is for a player to have his contract terminated for conduct that may be considered inappropriate, but not illegal. Uh, The Blackhawks acknowledge that uh, there was no criminal investigation here. And with that, you know, we've seen other players have their contract terminated before, but more often than not, there was something involved that had uh, an illegality to it, such as Mike Richards being uh, charged for crossing the border uh, with the Los Angeles Kings uh, in receipt of um, illegal prescriptions, like things like that. Uh, this is not that. And so I think a lot of people are taking a step back saying, hold on a second here. We need more information before just saying, oh, it's okay to have a team terminate a player's contract. And not only that, Kipper, I think there's actually been a couple teams in the last 24 to 48 hours that may be interested in adding a player like Corey Perry. So I think there's a lot left to be written here. Well, that and, you know, there's still a verdict to be kind of had on the Chicago Blackhawks handling of this. And it seems like the beat reporters, people around the team are kind of saying they've done a pretty good job here. Like, you know, we included didn't love the press conference necessarily, but, you know, they grabbed Perry out of there. They did their investigation. They terminated him outright. Like, it sounds like they followed things to the letter of what a plan would have been, I guess. Yeah, I think they also, at the same time, probably had a few hiccups PR-wise in terms of just giving people 20% more information so that you don't have social media spin its wheels and ridiculous, disgusting rumors get legs. And and more than that, you know, I, I just think some clarity here. Did the Chicago Blackhawks, this is one question that still remains, did they operate here in a fashion that because they're still reeling from the 2021 investigation that revealed that they covered up a sexual assault back in 2010, are they now taking a a bit of a leap in in this case and trying to act uh, really in the best interest of the organization and the franchise to try and build up some of that trust? I think we all understand how sensitive they would be given what happened, but did they potentially overreact here? I think that's also a fair question to ask, but it's one, unfortunately, that we can't answer because we don't have all of the definitive information yet. Listen, you're you're part of the, the Professional Writers Association here. Uh, I think you got a pretty good gauge on 
a level of information and uh, you know where it where it starts, where it can end, what's private, privileged information, what should come out in the public. If there's more to this story that includes a, a third party, a possible lawsuit, uh, a possible settlement, is that stuff that the the public is owed, or does it remain no one's business but our own? It's a hard question to answer because, again, we don't know the details that are involved. We don't know how serious or potentially. But, Frank, you're going to try to find out, are you not? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think here's the thing that I'm struggling with, and I can tell you uh, quite openly, part of the reason why there hasn't been more detail that's been reported is that there's been a lot of conflicting details going back and forth. You hear one thing from someone, you hear something totally different on the other hand. And and that part has been really difficult to wrestle with as a reporter. You're dealing with, um, as you mentioned, the potential for third parties to be involved, the potential for lawsuits, the potential for defamation. You're dealing also with a player who's had a pretty sterling reputation in his NHL career and a borderline Hall of Fame guy who um, is really well-liked by teammates that now all of a sudden finds this week his career somewhat burnt to a crisp. So there's a lot of different facets in play here that um, I think has made this story certainly one of the more difficult that I've had to pursue in my career in journalism. Keep you good on Perry? I'm good. All right. Um, yeah, so we just had our first hour talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs, and everyone on defense is hurt, and they weren't <laughs> great at defending before that. So <laughs> we're trying to pinpoint some names. I know that there's an article on Daily Faceoff. I think Matt Larkin wrote it about potential defensive par- partners or who might fit for the Leafs. Are there some names out there that you could see as a fit in a trade for Toronto? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to draw a line, Justin, from Toronto to Calgary. Yeah. And I, I would suspect that the first name that Brad Tree Living would be calling about would be Chris Tanev based on his defensive prowess. And I, you don't have to really look much further than the clip in the last week with him blocking a shot with his face to realize that this is a guy <laughs> that certainly has the commitment required to win in your own end. That's one guy that I would circle. I think here's the thing that the Leafs have run into in those conversations that they've had uh, with the Flames and Brad Tree Living's former employer is, A, they're not really ready to make a move yet with some of their pending free agents because their team has gotten back in the race. And B, I think the other reason why they're not in a rush is because the trade deadline isn't until March 8th. There's no reason unless someone's knocking your socks off to go out and execute a trade at this exact moment in time, especially while your team is still hanging around and you don't have a fully formed idea yet as to exactly what they are. Are the Flames under 500 at this quarter juncture of the season? Yes, they are. Uh, but with the mushy middle in the West and the ability to climb into that wild card race, I think it's unfair to count them out just yet. And until they are out, I think they're going to wait and hold off on making any judgments. So that's one aspect of this that I think has been a roadblock in terms of uh, the Leafs trying to find defensemen. And I think the other part is you want to make sure that whoever you're getting is making an impact. And there's a lot of names that have been floating out there of late that you might say, hey, the Leafs could go out and get this guy. And the answer might be yes, but is he going to make a big enough impact to be worth the squeeze. What about a guy like uh, Zadorov? Do you think uh, the Leafs or anybody else that's uh, interested in, in, in Zadorov would need to 
trade as if they're going to re-sign him. We've seen so many, particularly in Toronto, uh, through Kyle Dubas, trade for pretty big, significant names, only to watch them walk out the door months later here. Are the Leafs in a position to, to rent Zadorov at all? I, I love renting. Uh, I, and I say that as someone who owns my house, but <laughs> I love the idea of renting a defenseman, particularly because you never really know how the fit is going to be. And like, I, I would say that specifically with regards to Tanev because he is injury prone and he is a little bit older, that he's definitely the type of player uh, that you hang out with and date instead of marry. But when it comes to to Zadaroff, like I, I think the less commitment, the better. Because yes, he's someone that can impact your team, can provide an element that some other guys can't. You guys saw firsthand in Toronto, big hit scores a goal. But at the same time, I think the overall overarching thought on Zadaroff is that he's truly a third pair defenseman, and if that's what the Leafs are acquiring, no sense really paying a pre market premium to lock him up when you could then just wait and see how things unfold. And I think that's kind of really the beauty of what the Leafs have gone through uh, this past summer is Domi, Bertuzzi, Klingberg, you know, all one-year deals. And I think probably you're sitting here right now feeling, hey, pretty good, November 29th. Thank God we didn't really go much longer. Maybe the one exception to that is Bertuzzi, but Klingberg, like you don't often get a redo on something like that. And the Leafs now have that second life. Frank, the one thing that I sit in here and pull my hair out about daily is like the Leafs probably need to make a trade. And it's like, but it's hard. People tell Kipper tells me, but it's hard to make a trade. You know, is it or is it that hard? Is there going to be trades at some point or is the salary cap just ruined the trade market? It's not just the salary cap. I think part of it, Justin, is um, general managers are naturally risk averse. And I was actually talking about this with Doug Armstrong a couple of weeks back when I was in Toronto at, at the hall of fame. And it was when he first started in his career and there's a lot of sort of first time, you know, new younger GMs that are in these roles. He said, what you go through is this feeling like you're only going to make a trade if you know you're winning it. And there's so few of those to be had that I think the big part of that is People are looking for an easy PR win as opposed to a deal that just sort of makes sense. And I'll give you a perfect recent example. It's happened within the last 24 hours, this Beauvillier deal, trading him to Chicago. The Blackhawks uh, are without Taylor Hall for the rest of the season. Then Corey Perry's gone. You need some support, some roster support, some scoring support for uh, Connor Bedard. Okay, so you bring in Beauvillier. The Canucks were in a spot previously where trying to move off salary from their books was probably going to cost them money. Now these two things happen in Chicago, and all of a sudden a deal, a deal materializes where they can get a fifth-round pick instead of giving up something. And you can kind of just nod your head and shake and, and, and shake hands and say, okay, this makes sense. This works for both sides. There probably needs to be more of that. And the other thing I would say as a third option would be or a reason would be the fact that GMs kind of need a deadline in order to make something happen. It seems like if there wasn't one on March 8th or whenever the date is every year, that I would bet that we'd see way fewer trades than we already do. We're talking to Frank Cervelli, Hockey Insider with Daily Faceoff. It seems like the Oilers have calmed things down a little bit. Has, has their search for a, a goaltender calmed down as well? 
I think maybe a little bit because I was just talking about the idea for the Leafs of weighing impact and cost. And that's one thing that Edmonton really ran into was there's a whole host of names out there that they could go and get, but I'm not sure that they were sold that relative to cost that they'd be getting a guaranteed impact. And that is certainly the nature of the beast with the position. Um, I I like to say goaltending is voodoo. You never really know what you're going to get week to week, let alone with a guy changing teams in the middle of a season. And I think that even though his play might not have warranted it, there's a chance that we see Jack Campbell back called up to the NHL in relatively short order. I think they were thinking sometime around December 1st in order to try and get his game in order. Um, He had a rough start to his tenure in Bakersfield. And I think at some point they'd probably swap him out uh, for Cal Pickard and try and get him going again at the NHL level. We'll see if that works, but that's their thought process right now as they seem to be outscoring and outrunning a lot of the problems that they had a few weeks back. Frank, I know you have the audacity to not exist in Canada, but we talk about the uh, the Canadian teams quite a bit up here. Um, you know, the Leafs likely to be active. Any other Canadian teams that you think are going to be the most active out of this group of, you know, everyone kind of thinks they can be a playoff team? Yeah, I'd say the Vancouver Canucks are right at the top of that list. And the reason for that is just look at the newfound cap space that they have after moving off of Beauvillier. I mean, Vancouver, since Patrick Alvin took over as GM and Jim Rutherford as president of Hockey Ops, they have been preaching cap flexibility. And now really for the first time in their tenure after trading away a bunch of pieces and at times paying really significant prices, as we're reminded with uh, Chicago's Jason Dickinson scoring another goal last night, they've paid high prices to get rid of guys on their roster. This time around, they were a little bit more fortunate with Beauvillier, but they have some cap flexibility that for a team that's really struggled with injuries on their back end, Carson Soucy out for a while, Tyler Myers was banged up. They're now using depth defensemen in their lineup again, which they were really trying to avoid. They've had to break up their top pair. That was so good between Heronic and Hughes that you're now counting on Noah Juleson and Cole McWard and all these guys that probably are fringe NHL players. That to me was the biggest story as to why they weren't a playoff team last year and their hot start this year. The contrasting image there is that the Vancouver Canucks put competent defensemen that have experience in their lineup. And now that some of those guys have gone down, it feels like they're kind of hanging on for dear life as they try and stabilize that, which I think they're going to try and attempt to do here in the next week or two. Frank, when we look at the standings outside of maybe San Jose and, and, and the Sharks, everybody wants to stay in it and, and, and try to, I think, make the playoffs here. Um, I mean, outside of the two teams I mentioned, uh, who do you see eventually putting up the for sale sign uh, and, and start making some players available? I, I 95% of the league, I think, is, so is thinking true. that they're – they're going to the playoffs. Well, that was actually another reason that I, d- I didn't include in why we haven't we seen very much activity is go through some of those teams. The Chicago Blackhawks would sell. They've got nothing left to pick at. <laughs> the Minnesota Wild aren't there yet. The Anaheim Ducks are trying to build in the other direction through some of the youth that they have. Who are they going to move? Adam Henrique. I mean, go through some of these teams and then switch to the Eastern Conference. There's not a a long teeming list of 
these t- these clubs that are really trying to put a, a bunch of players out there are some of them open for business with the Vancouver Canucks move Connor Garland of course would the Philadelphia Flyers be open to moving some of their pending UFA defensemen sure if the price is right but we're at this sort of juncture where too many teams are in the mix competitively because of the way the standings work because of the mushy middle that exists in the Western Conference that Everyone's just kind of sitting back saying, well, hey, if I could roll the dice this year, if you're St. Louis and you don't have to tear down uh, and continue to take away players and still make the playoffs this year as an absolute bonus, St. Louis, Nashville, both those teams are both sort of rebuilding, retooling quietly and hoping to be competitive in two to three years. But what if you can just kind of sneak in in your market? It's just an absolute uh, bonus that some of those teams are like, well, why would we give up right now? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And um, last one for me, Frank, is kind of related to that. Just, you know, we've seen Dean Evison get fired. We saw Chris Knobloch come in. It, it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of coaches in a position where they're going to get fired, but we are seeing that teams can't do a lot. It's one of the only moves they have. Is there anyone else you think, like looking around the league, that could potentially be on the hot seat this season? It just it, it feels like one of the only options you have as a GM to try to jumpstart your team. Yeah, I think everyone's been focused, Justin, on DJ Smith in Ottawa. And not to say that there's not reason for that, but every piece of intel that I can gather is that the Sens don't have any interest in making a coaching change, that they're trying to stabilize their situation with all the drama that's existed this season between a GM change, a 41-game suspension to one of their players, a first pick forfeiture, all those things that have been piled into this start of the year that – has also included some really underwhelming results. So I don't think they they're going to do that on uh, make that change with DJ Smith. Um, I think another name to to consider would be Lane Lambert on Long Island. I think um, the Islanders have not found the consistency and success, certainly from an offensive perspective that they'd like to have. Lou Lamorello is not afraid to make a coaching change. Um, that's another that I'd keep an eye on. I'm still kind of surprised about. Dean Evison and Jay Woodcroft, given the starts that these teams had. I mean, just look at their track record for success. Jay Woodcroft, 643 points percentage in his tenure in Edmonton. You had Dean Evison, who, if he didn't lose the last seven games to close out his tenure in Minnesota, would have been north of Jay Woodcroft. He finished at 639. So I look at this and I say, We've had some sort of middling results already from some of these coaching changes. Yes, uh, John Hines picks up a first win in his first game with the Minnesota Wild. But on the long term, did these teams make the right decisions? I guess we'll see. One more for me and and a team that I find intriguing to watch moving forward in the new year towards the trade deadline is the Nashville Predators. We saw them go out there, sign Ryan O'Reilly, Luke Shen, Mm -hmm. yet... They might be one of those teams you're you're talking about that wants to try to maybe make the playoffs while they rebuild. So where does that leave Sammy's favorite goalie, Saros? He's not in play. Uh, mm. I actually had a lengthy sit-down with Barry Trotz, also when I was in Toronto a couple weeks back for Hall of Fame. And he said, look, we're trying to where when we get to where we're trying to get to in two to three years. We want UC Soros to continue to be the backbone of our team. We'd like to re-sign him. So I don't have any indication that Soros is in play from Barry Trotz's lips specifically. And and more than that, um, 
I, I also don't see this team trying to add in the short term. They don't really have that much left to pick at, as mentioned, and sort of pluck off of this team and sell. Maybe someone like a Carrier at the deadline who's a pending UFA. But the Preds seem pretty content of sort of just staying in this middle where they can sell to their marketplace and their fan base that's used to a high bar of success um, that they can be in the mix and ultimately get back to being a team that has true Stanley Cup aspirations for a 10-year run. Hey, Frank, excellent stuff today, man. man. Tons of information. Uh, Look forward to uh, the next few months and uh, certainly uh, bringing you back on to update us on a a ton of stuff moving forward. Thanks for doing this. Have a good one, guys. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Frank Cervelli, Hockey Insider, Daily Faceoff. What uh, wealth of knowledge? What do you want to take out of that? That uh, sitting here in Toronto, it feels like uh, it's hard to make trades, and Calgary has one trade. No one wants to trade anyone because everyone thinks that they can make the playoff. Well, so. they're a perfect example of sometimes not overreacting. Uh, the every, Flames, yeah, Just everybody had them dead out. and buried, yeah, and now they're feeling good about themselves, and in a position to make the playoffs. I mean, they are kind of knocking at the door, aren't they? They're, they're right. Oh, yeah. So it is. It's that West being weak is going to make it a lot harder for the teams to declare themselves for sale, as you put it, in terms of, you know, some of their assets. So that, that'll that yeah. be slow the fun down a little bit. My favorite goalie is not getting traded. No. Saros? Yeah. No. Yeah. I... If push comes to shove, someone makes an off, like a big offer. To yeah. me, the Kings is like the spot. That's the one to me. Like they're I, the, I would agree. Like because they're they're running Cam Talbot out there. I get that, but he's playing really well. I get that, but at some point, if you're going to be a Stanley Cup contender, you're going to win it with Talbot. Maybe I don't know. You know what the Kings' road record is this year? Nine yeah, games? they're like perfect. Yeah, yeah. nine nine zero zero. Yeah, haven't lost. It's pretty good. Center depth. You know what? I'm really happy to uh, Byfield. Yeah. Right? Because tons of pressure, contemplating a first pick overall. He slides just, I think, one under Mm -hmm. and did not get off to the great start. It's the pandemic. He's spending some time in the American Hockey League. But I tell you what, that guy is turning himself into a, a really good, solid player. It's almost like the AHL is not a career ending move for a young player, you know? Yeah, like, you can go down there and really hone your find skills. Find your craft. You know, a good example. So he's in the NHL last year, has three goals in 53 games. Uh, they sent him to the American League where he has 15 points in 16 games in the AHL. Nine goals. Nine goals. Yeah. So he finds it, feels himself at the pro level. This year, he's got 16 points in 19 games. Go spend a little bit of time in the Usually. American Hockey League. Send Crosby down. Everyone needs a little time. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking 18 oh. years of age. Okay. Yeah. 19. No. Like, I think I don't understand this. Uh, if you're like I, I get you got you want to protect the junior ranks, right? If you're not going to play for the big club, you have to go play back in junior if you're eligible. Why do we have to do that though? I like, don't know. That's I, my point. As a because bleeding, you bleeding pre- heart junior hockey fan, because they want to preserve good players yes. playing in small towns and they want to keep the league afloat. But if players are good enough to play in the American Hockey League, so it's not then a, the next player it's, who's it's, good is going to shine at that it's level. It's not a development uh, decision. It's a business decision. For sure, which I am Just fond of. Rummy. I'm fond of. Yeah, I'm fond it's of great because you get 
stars to yes. go to your hometown. That's yeah, well, not my hometown. No, no, but just in general, it's a very popular. Well, anyways, <laughs> I like that there's guys that go to junior still from the NHL. I like that rule. It is. But I'm an 18-year-old adult, and I cannot pick where I want to go to work. Yeah. There's just something fundamentally wrong with that. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to be learned playing against other men. You know, like as you try to graduate to the NHL, playing at that level can, you know, it's wonderful to, for development and you get to be the guy, man, play the big minutes. Kipper, before game time, you said you wanted to talk about Kane when we were... Yeah, because uh, uh, he met the media mm-hmm. and, uh, I don't know, obviously... With Riveting. The, with the sh- Yeah, listen, he's... <laughs> I was going to cut some tape of it. I was like, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> listen, don't dump on Pat Kane. Right now. He said the right things. Nothing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I like him. Yeah, I, I like, like him. Yeah, sure. Uh, we didn't get a chance to kind of talk about the signing mm-hmm. because of, I guess, Corey Perry news, and I don't know. We talked I about it with Jovo. We got the we got the medical know, side of it with we Jovo. Didn't, we didn't discuss yeah. it. I am somewhat surprised that he would pick Detroit because I don't think that there's any guarantee that they're a lock to make the playoffs. That was the one thing he did say in the press conference that might have been interesting. He's like, yeah, I hope to help them make the playoffs. It's like, yeah, they're in third when in their division and winning. And You'd think it would have been more of a sure thing if he would have picked Colorado, Florida, Florida Vegas, Austin, Dallas. I found, that, I found the 2.75 um, interesting. Okay. Because... It's not nearly the money that we would have first thought, correct? Well, right. We thought higher or lower at the term. Higher. You did. Yes. Well, I kind of thought just from talking to Kip and kind of, I thought maybe we're looking like a three-year deal around four million or something like that. That to me was where I thought it would somehow end up. I wonder if just because no one has any space, like the good teams are pretty capped out. Yes. Yeah, you're you're not wrong on any of that. Yeah. Don't and know what if there's a prove it factor, so, like show no one with a bad so hip has ever come think, back and been good. That's exactly right. I think what happened was that they they him and his agent probably thought that we could still find a way to get a decent contract on a multi year deal. And yeah. it, it didn't exist. You know, uh when my wife and I first moved to Toronto from Arizona. Uh, they showed us some apartments here, and they were like 500 square feet and $2,000 a month. And we were like, ah, no, we're not doing that. Sorry. Looked at like 10 of them. No, I'm not spending that for that size. And eventually, if you want to move here, uh, yeah, you that's spend exactly <laughs> what happened. And I think that's what happened with Kane. You just keep thinking, you're going to look around, and you're going to find the you know 2,000 square foot place that's $1,000 a month. It doesn't exist. It's not reality. So for his services at this point in his career with a bad hip, you know, trying to be on a good team. This is the best he could do. And but uh, oh, go ahead. I was just yeah. But like, at, at a certain point, like, is is the difference of say a million dollars and two point seven enough for you to go to a team that you think might make the playoffs or a Ooh. team for sure making the playoffs? So you're saying would he not have been better off to say I'll go play for the Bruins for one point five million? It doesn't really matter. The guy is made. If I'm not mistaken, $107 million. Now, Does it really you've had money. matter? You still liked the money after so you had there, money, right? But there's, there, there's that kind of, I don't want to say ego, but there's a, there's a principle involved in wanting more money mm-hmm. because you don't want to be 
totally taken advantage. You know, looked at as like, but I don't Jordana know. Two point seven five does it for doesn't me. Doesn't get you into that respect doesn't, echelon. Like, I, I thought four would have done it. If I can't get four or three, I might as well take a million and maybe go to Vegas or Colorado, then Detroit. Would you I like think to know who's a good point? Here. Would you like to know his estimated career earnings? Yeah, hold on. Let me guess first. Let me guess. Seven. Yeah, I'll take the over on his number. One fifteen. Okay. Whew. Yeah, not bad. It's a good yeah, number. You, you, <laughs> good I'm going to walk back everything I've said so far and agree with you wholeheartedly. He probably should have gone for minimum somewhere, right? And just been a you know give the team a chance to add more. And yeah, but that paycheck end. still hits your count. You want it to be high. The old well, Phil Mickelson burn rate. Got, Listen, oh. I, I'm, I'm cheering for him because our league is really a lot better when Pat Kane's doing his thing. He did say, he's like, one thing I can do better is, you know, basically use my legs. He's like, I can cross over better. My lateral movement is better. And that's all I think of Kane is like, which way am I going? Sometimes I forget about, like, the human element of this too. But when you're sitting in the room negotiating with, like, with Steve Eiserman, he's probably like, oh, this is cool. Like, it's no, like, he's not. He's Patrick Kane. You don't think yeah, he's, sitting across the room yeah, from... It's cool, he's, but it's not affecting yeah, he, him. I, I, I think he's far past that. You don't think that's going to influence him at all, having Stevie Eisman telling him you, you, he wants you on your no. team? Uh, no, it has nothing to do with it. Nothing. You guys are nuts. Uh, I think as long as it matches the things that yeah. you're, you like to hear, he, yeah. then you're fine. Yeah. Then it's like whipped cream and a cherry. So... I'm not disagreeing with okay. you, but it has to match with, I like what I'm hearing. Okay. Overall. Who had I, a better career, Kane or Eisman? Eisman, uh, right? for sure. No question. Uh, not the first know. eight years. Yeah. Some, someone who knows the stats is going to no, it's for that question. definitely Eisman. Um, but on my TikTok algorithm, because it was Patrick Kane, and I was looking at Patrick Kane stuff, his hat trick came up against the Blackhawks. I think where they won 7-5 or whatever. Blackhawks. And... He just danced Shane O'Brien, cut into the middle, oh, and then yeah. backhand cheese the opposite way. Yeah, Chel- Chelsea, Chelsea Dagger going off. <laughs> yeah. It was like, this guy was a, he was a killer, man. He was unbelievable in his prime. Poor Shane O'Brien. It was a bad, big, yeah, tough clip. Pat, prime Patrick yeah. Kane, man. Anyways, you guys want to do some game time? Let her rip, Sammy. It's game time. Presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 19 plus. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Now, I was just checking in on some playoff odds because I'd like to do that with the Edmonton Oilers. And the Edmonton Oilers, after their three-game winning streak, correct, Mm -hmm. have now vaulted all the way back up to minus 190. To make wow, the playoffs. what a swing. The books are a roller coaster. They're just, they're going back and forth. They don't know what to do with this team, but they are a prohibitive favorite. Well, not prohibitive, but pretty big favorite to uh, to be in the playoffs. You want my but betting he, the, advice? Hammer it. Just bet that. Yeah. As low as you're going to get it in yeah. a while. The, the pressure right now on Connor to be good Every game but it's just going in again. is off Buddy, the he charts. Had 11 points in three it's games. It's just going in again. He was like 59th in the league. I know. A few days ago, he's ninth now. And he cannot take his foot off the pedal at all. He had 150 points last year. He can do this. He can will this team. Nah, see, you, you just. To the promised land. Like, you just make it sound like it's just so easy. And it's, and it's I, not. It's I not. Ne- he's the best hockey player I've ever witnessed do hockey. And Correct. he's in the prime of his career. If he can't do it, no one can, I believe is the great cheerleader chant from <laughs> when I, my youth. 
<laughs> he, I, I mean, I, I'm a full-on believer in the guy. I understand that it's not that easy, and uh, the risk may be too much ask and lead to injury. I'm just talking about the pressure to perform every night. And it would be nice every once in a while if he didn't have that. But I guess because of the, the cap and the way it's built and the constant you're the highest paid guy outside of Austin next season, uh, that you just need to score three points every night. I'll give you two. And if it doesn't bounce, if it doesn't go his way, we see the Connor that we yeah. saw a week and a half, two weeks ago. Yeah. But it's just, it's it's awfully early in the season to now wear that. Yeah. For him. That's, that is, I will say, maybe the best point about the hole they dug for themselves is that there's no leeway now. They took the wiggle room out to have a five game losing streak. I'm watching these games now, and I don't know if it's confidence. I don't know if it's going in again. I don't know if he's feeling better. But he looks like Connor McDavid again. Dude, he scores on that breakaway. He barely flinched to yeah, celebrate. Yeah, and his, like, his shootout goal last night was just, like, a, the easiest thing he's ever done in his life. Like, yeah. he really just looks like himself again. So he does. I think he might. I think he but was there, playing hurt, boys. There, like, there are yeah. also times when he can look like that and still look behind him and see Evan Bouchard right beside him and go, why are you here? Why are you here, <laughs> why are you you here? here right now? Well, he, he got all the way up there in three-on-three three last night, and he had a tap in and missed it at the end. So uh, the other thing, oh, yeah, and he's plus 350 now to be the yeah. MVP. Well, so maybe have an eye on uh, that, too. Were you kind of nervous for them a little bit at 4-2 and then watching it go to 4-4 last night with, what, six, five well, minutes to go? I, they were carrying the play in the third period. And all of a sudden, two go in. And how about um, the how about the Golden Knights having their fourth line on the ice with two minutes left in the game? Keegan Coles are standing yeah. in the blue paint. He bats one in the midair. It's like there's not many teams that are putting their fourth line out there. So uh, good. The other two quick ones I had for the playoff odds, the Flames are plus 105. So they're starting to believe a little bit in the Flames. They're in a playoff spot. Yeah. You know, I want a better number on that, I think. And the, Too many teams. And play. just to mention the Red Wings, because we were talking about Patrick Kane, they're plus 100 to make the playoffs. And you had mentioned the tougher teams that they were facing now uh, in Calgary, mm-hmm. uh, Vegas, Dallas, I think Thursday. So big challenges, but they already beat Dallas a week ago. So And Vegas too. I think the best thing that can happen for the Flames is clarity, as in, they win, go on a run here, they get hot, they win mm-hmm. five in a row, or they lose five in a row and decide to go the other direction. The sort of wishy-washy is where you don't trade the people you need for assets before they get hurt, and you don't make the playoffs anyway. So they need clarity. And the the last thing I have for a game tonight is Capitals visiting the Kings. Uh, one team can score and defend, one team can't score. Give me the Kings minus a goal and a half plus 120. Like and- that. Uh, that was Game Time, presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 19+. plus. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll discuss a little Brock Besser mm-hmm. leading the league in goals. Rocket Who Richard. saw that coming? And also, former Norris Trophy winner coming back play tonight. Oh, yeah. We'll tell you who after the break. Real Kipper and Bourne. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
right, after dropping four of six, the Vancouver Canucks with a big win last night against Anaheim. Sinking like a stone. Who, Anaheim? Yeah. Yeah, oh boy. And Brock Besser, 17th goal of the season, leads the league. We're almost... I know. We're coming close to Christmas. I heard. I think no was, one saw that coming. I think it was our boy Tim McAuliffe who said made a called the Brockett Richard Trophy for for Brock Besser, which I like. Um, yeah, the Canucks have some unbelievable seasons going on. Obviously, his is noteworthy. First time in NHL history, a team has had five players, or sorry, four players with twenty five points in twenty three games to start the season. So they have four of them just humming yeah. along. It, it's a crazy turnaround for Besser. It he is. was maligned. Yeah. Like, that's what the guy that... A ago, he was talking about trade, right? Yeah, he was a guy that they were... I feel like he was offered not, up, like... Not only offered on trade, but, you know, contemplating how much how much money we might have to hold back to to move the contract. Jeez. And, I don't know, lead the league in scoring, and it's only costing you December. six million bucks right now is, is looking pretty good. Not too bad. So but, that, you know, the other thing, win. too, is, you know, he lost his dad, mm-hmm. and it was it hit him hard, yeah. naturally, but can never underestimate where guys are sometimes emotionally and and how it's affecting them. It, I know. You don't, you don't talk about it in the media. You don't share that sort of stuff, but there's no question that he seems at peace with a lot more today than mm-hmm. in the last little while, which I'm, I'm very happy for him. It is a crazy thing that we come on here and everyone else, you know, that does sports analysis, and we just have to kind of assess the play without knowing, yeah, you know, on. what's going on at home and personal lives and whatever and how much guys can be affected by it. So we're just like, ah, I think he's not trying very hard. You know, it's like the, sometimes there's real meaningful reasons for. Yeah, sort of like you off. and our first hour telling us that you watched the third period first <laughs> yeah, <I did. laughs> of last night's I had to Leaf, watch it out of order. Leafs the, uh, game last night against why? Florida. Can and there's a very good reason why. The Quentin Tarantino of hockey yeah, viewings. I like to do the, things. <laughs> I feel like, so like, I, you know, my kids go to bed and I was on Hockey Central last night with uh, Gazdick and Jammer and DA, so I didn't get this home guy, till later. This guy's just, you just do it all. I, yeah, I was doing some things. <laughs> and so when I get home, I can start it from the beginning, but then you miss out on the social media element and our group text. And mm. you guys are all over it last night. You send the messages. We were hot, we were hot last Isn't night. Isn't there that, that feeling of being left out? Yeah, so I need to be there live for the rest of it and then go back and watch the front and half. And this is why advertisers love pro sports. <laughs> yes, there ain't taping. Miss. You no. just proved that theory. For sure. You can't tape. And I, then by theory, by the way, I tell myself that I'll have a different perspective than you guys because I'll have watched it out of order. It's actually good for the show is how I talk. Um, no recording. Yeah. It's not. The group chat isn't hot every Leafs game, but certain ones, it warms up. Yeah. I feel like it used to be every we, we game. Have way less texts from Kip this year that say the opponents suck. That's true. That was a big we, we have I, We have ironed that out. It's just because the Leafs <laughs> suck. That's why we can, <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. So upcoming games. No, it's the, just oh, as simple as this. They stink. <laughs> <laughs> exclamation point! Yeah, exclamation point! Yeah, that's the whole exclamation message. point! Um, hold, hold on, I think that's a great segue because we had uh, Valley on yesterday, Steve Alcat oh from MSG, and something he said yesterday st- stuck with me. Mm. And it's and and then you followed it up. 
All the teams look the same. Ah, they're all the same. Yep. 23 See, and a half teams that bothers me when I heard that. Yeah. And I'm not saying it, he's not wrong, but I don't want a league where 32 teams look the same. I don't think fans do either. Well, the salary cap. Thanks, Gary. That's, yeah. that's we got what you, you can't wanted. Do anything else. You can't keep good players. And also, I don't know if I can. What's well, just. <laughs> I, I, I get the salary cap and, and ha- well, they handcuffing yourself. Extreme but, parody cap, and they got it. But I think, Kip, your point is about... Extreme mediocrity? Well, they got parody. But I also think that, you know, how far can we refine excellence? Like, you know, goaltenders are all, like, precision now, so they all have to look the same to maximize efficiency and whatever. They can't look that different if you want to maximize efficiency, and maybe that's elite talent in hockey. Kind of looks the same a lot. So, I mean, that's what they would argue. That mediocrity of what the league looks like, everybody looks the same. On their side of it, they would say Everyone's it's parody. Yeah. Everyone's it. Like, let me read this list of teams to you that's leading the league and get, if they could win the cup. Vegas. Yeah. Rangers. Just going, I'll tell you when to stop. Boston. Vancouver. Colorado. L.A. Stars. Florida. Winnipeg. Mm. Carolina. Red Wings. Mm. Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, yeah you're into that Lightning. group now where you go, uh like, there are all these teams to me. I guess, like, you look at Vegas as an elite team. You look at the Rangers as an elite team. But, like, the Bruins are scuffling recently. Like, they're not. You look at their roster on paper. Just like, that like guys pay more money. You don't have to look the same, even though you have a similar salary cap. You can pick different-looking players. True. Yeah, but the, and for, uh, hey, the Leafs listen, did it for years with the There the has to teams. be a few meatheads out there that can play. There are. We need more meatheads. They're valued, highly valued. Just get Tom Wilson costs a lot of money. Just get good ones. Just find them. They <laughs> have to exist. They have to be out there. Junior, East Coast, college. Yeah, that's right. If you're a young player, just lean into being different. Give us something else, will you? Entertain us. Yeah, being a meathead pays. What's the what did Tom Wilson just sign? Oh, he's funny. six now. Seven year, forty five million dollar contract starting next season. All you have to do is be hyper tough. Nah, but he's, talented. he's also really good at hockey. Yeah, he's like a linebacker on skates. Yeah, yeah he's really good. Which helps. J.J. Yeah. Watt had hands. But <laughs> Jacob Truba doesn't look like any other player out there. Yeah, you can he's, build a personality. Like, I think Florida has that personality of being a tougher team. The Leafs for years. Did you, did you send up. me something on, I don't know, TikTok or I whatever, where someone yeah. smacked somebody's head off and... Uh, Put it in a Blue Jay uniform like it was a home run. Okay, so is what, this I... what you do? Like you can't get me the right name of you know a what? producer on this show. What was his name? <laughs> Willie. James Wilson. We Willie. But you can send me that. So it was said to me in one of my hundred group chats. It's a video of uh, Truba doing the slash. Yeah. But then it like goes to the bat the flip. Out. Yeah. And it does the bat flip, and he hits uh, – whose head did he hit? Frederick's head into the front row. It's a great. deep drive. It was very funny. I thought it was great. I didn't How miss- did he not get suspended for 10 games? Answering yeah, that we question. We never discuss that. Th- this one, like, I watched it a couple more times. Yeah. It, I am baffled beyond belief yeah. that that isn't suspendable. I think they probably overthought it. I and got they it. were like, I- oh, he's on his – you know, he's falling over and he's pulling away. It's like, I, nah, I, it's reckless as hell. I had it at three games. Yeah, you can't. The old ref can't do you that. You had it higher? But he slashed a guy in the face. Yeah. yeah 
You could have yeah. easily given them five for Not that. a ton of damage, but that's what we do now. We got to make sure, like, if he lies on the ice and rolls around, is, it, is that better that, effect? That's a good point. He's probably getting suspension. Right? By the also, way, how tough is Frederick? Give, him, give him credit for not, <laughs> not milking it. It's like a pit bull to the stone head. But there is a, an appetite for some players to milk it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, bunting played here last year. Um, you mentioned <laughs> no, um, the Frederick head home run. Also, you mentioned Otani. Oh, Can we? I, you want to do this? Are show, but... the Blue Jays in it? Apparently, according to some people, the Blue Jays are one of the four finalists. Not apparently a exclusive list, but ones that are still in the mix are the Toronto Blue Jays, the Angels, the Dodgers, and the Chicago Cubbies are the four teams that are apparently still really in. So Chicago, okay. Los Angeles, what was the other city? Los Angeles. Uh, LA. LA, LA, Chicago, Toronto. I Listen, I... I I have a sense. I don't know if I'm going to disappoint you or not, but I I think the Jays are getting played right now. For sure. I mean, do you think I? this is something that... The Jays are a peak leverage team. Not to do Jays takes here, but a lot of times over the past few summers, where you have to give them, or winners, you have to give them credit. They've landed some big fish. George Springer, Hunjin Ryu, Chris Bassett, um, Kevin Gosman. They've landed some big fish. But they've also been like, Right there for a lot of them, where I think they like to get the narrative out there no, that, I, they, that they're involved. I think it's probably the player's side that wants to keep a yeah, big it's another, market fish in yeah, to drive. The will the, pay for me if you don't. The, the, to drive the price up. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I think, I think it's a mutually, a mutually beneficial relationship that the Jays like to have their name involved in these I kind mean, of what things. What would the Otani ta- tax be to come to Canada you know, if he's going to make five hundred, they got to pay him six. I mean, I would say hundred. I would say million. I would say it's not my money, but I literally work for Rogers, so maybe it might be my money. <laughs> yeah, it could affect you. Yeah. There's nothing could, left. Could be my money. Okay, that would be like really good for baseball in Canada. By the I way, I would say that would work out just fine. There's he nothing can't even that next year, though, right? He can't pitch next year, yeah. but there's nothing that would like you're making that back very quickly. In terms of eyeballs, in terms of, in terms of, no, the people that have come to the park, you're selling out every night, the jersey sales, the attention, the ratings in overseas. Like he is a top five famous guy, maybe like in, on sports, in, in sports that comes to the world. So bring him, Fingers pay the crossed. money. He's going to be, he, uh, it'll be all great when he just signs with the Dodgers. All right. As we mentioned earlier, the New York Rangers coming off a 5 1 loss to the Buffalo Sabres will get. Norris Trophy winner, Adam Fox, back in the lineup. They, they sure could use him. Not really. No, that, that Rangers <laughs> decor. They're still good without him. Yeah, they got Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox, Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba as pair two, oh. Braden Schneider on the third pair, and then Eric Gustafson, who, say what you will about him, he's having an unbelievable season for the Rangers. So, yeah, and that's it's a hell of a decor. Big, you know, good, uh, good matchup with the Red Wings tonight. Be interested to see if they have like a little bump from getting Kane. When's he going to play? Is he playing tonight? He's always in on? a week against not playing Buffalo, I believe. Oh, okay. Where? You want to get him in there? If you're a Red Wings fan, like, oh, we just got Kane. Get him in there. And if you're him, like, if he's good to go, what am I missing here? I, I'm nervous for him though. That it's gonna. Well, how many guys have went down on with with a hip issue? 
yeah. hip, hip situation. I don't know that there's one who's come back and had a wildly successful run post-resurfacing. You know, we ran through the list the other day. It was Jovo. Jovo yeah. played 39 games. I none for Kessler. Uh, um, Eglin? No. Anyway, but yeah, no one's really had a ton of... Oh, a Backstrom. Yeah. I don't know how that went. So, yeah, fingers crossed for the guy that he's able to do it. But And if he does... Yeah, Hagelin, Kessler, Jovo, Backstrom was the four. And if he does, I wonder how quickly a follow-up contract... Like, if he comes out and lights it up for a couple months, he might say, keep me around, pay me, or... Detroit will say, we want to keep you around. Yeah. I am curious about something you mentioned yesterday that, like, he could potentially still be a deadline move, like, if it doesn't work for Detroit. Yeah, I think there's a couple of different options uh, that it's just, it's open. It's open based on how he looks, how he feels, how he produces, and, Mm -hmm. yeah. He could get get traded before the trade deadline, or he could sign an extension. He said he Detroit. yeah, most excited to play with DeBrinket, right? They've had success in the past. He says they're pals off the ice, so that's part of the reason he's in Detroit. It also kind of feels like it's the start of Emmett Smith on the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well said. All right, boys, we're out of time. Our thanks to Frank Cervelli, hockey insider from the Daily Faceoff with some great stuff. As always, glad you're aboard. Get a chance. Give us a rating and review. Love to hear from you. Got issues with Sammy or JB. <laughs> Lay them all out. I can sympathize with you. Have a great <laughs> night, everybody. We're back tomorrow.